as Christians, we need to have foretastes of heaven on earth. But the question is, is it possible? Is it possible for us to experience um, tastes of heaven now, as it's describing here? And oftentimes we might think of the Old Testament saints and we think, well, they didn't know about heaven. They didn't know much about heaven. Well, they did. Here is a clear reference. The Lord says to them through Moses in verse 21, that your days may be as the days of heaven upon the earth. He assures us that such an experience is possible for all who are willing to meet the simple conditions which God lays down. And I want to just mention a few things here. <clears throat> the Lord has um, twofold purposes for all of his children. First, he has this plan. Uh, since eternity past, he has chosen a people and he's to save them. And he calls them, his sheep hear his voice. And his plan is that after we have spent a little time down here in this world, in this uh, valley of tears, veil of tears, the scripture says, to, to, to bear witness, to impact people with the gospel. And then after we have proved the sufficiency of God's grace, and after we, have, uh, we are part of this unfolding plan of God and his will, uh, we shall go to live forever with him in heaven. But there is another thing. There's a second purpose. His plan is that we should experience here and now days of heaven upon the earth. You think about this for a little while. You think about this aspect of heaven, the experience that the child of God can have right now in, uh, uh, in, on earth. Those very things that uh, the, the saints in heaven are experiencing, of course, we have it in a limited fashion. Uh, when we get to heaven by God's grace, we shall have these blessings in full. Uh, but here and now, we may have a foretaste of them. For example, perfect peace. I wonder if your life is filled with peace or is it filled with all kinds of things uh, that, <clears throat> that unsettles you. But in Re Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, And God, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. These are all describing peace, because the Prince of Peace is there. But then on earth, don't we have that promise in Isaiah 26 and verse 3? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. So you have perfect peace promised for now. And then there is the fullness of joy in heaven. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 16, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But then on earth, our Lord Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Isn't that true? This is what the Lord says to us right now. And we may experience these things. And then there is deliverance from sin. Of course, in heaven, there is no sin. There is nothing that enters that defiles, we read in Revelation 21. But also on earth, uh, you have the words of the apostle in Romans 6 and verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. <clears throat> the, the chain, the power of sin is broken. Yes, the presence of sin is there, but the power of it is broken from the life of the child of God. And we can experience that, that freedom, that and that forgiveness that the blood of Jesus Christ brings. 
but also there is freedom from sin. In heaven, of course, there is no fear except the godly and joyful and loving fear of God, because there is no more curse. And there is the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, we read in Revelation 22. And his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face. And there is no fear when we see the face of God on earth. If we were to see in our sin the face of God, we would be filled with fear, but not in heaven. On earth, we read in 1 John 4 and verse 11, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. And what else? We have the presence of Christ promised us. In heaven, you have the presence of Christ always to the full measure. Now, you have the words of the apostle that he says, being absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But on earth, didn't our Lord says, say to us, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We have the presence of Christ with us. Or oh, to experience that ourselves. Um, th then we have the privileges of, privilege of service of God in heaven. In Revelation 22, don't think you are going to be sitting doing nothing on some clouds. The scripture doesn't talk about that. Uh, you will be serving the Lord and in, in a way that you never experienced in this life. It says in Revelation 22, verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, it says. Did you know that? In heaven you will serve the Lord in worship and in praise. But on earth, our Savior spoke in John 15 and verse 16, that ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. What's the purpose? And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. The fruit of service, the fruit of the Christian's life. But then there is perfect love. In heaven, of course, there is the Lord, who is that perfection of love. But on earth as well, in First John chapter 2 and verse 5, we read, But whosoever, whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Friends, <clears throat> Let me just outline to you now, just briefly, um, very briefly, some things that we read together in that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11. We see that God promises to us not only heaven in the future, but taste of heaven upon earth in our pursuing it, pursuing heaven. We are on this, like that pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress, pursuing and looking to and going towards the celestial city. How can we have such days now? Um, on what does this uh, experience depend? Well, it depends upon our view of Christ. It depends upon our following after him, our attitude towards and our right use of the word of God. And there in verse 11 uh, of, of Deuteronomy, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 18 of Deuteronomy, this is what we read. Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul. It can't be a head knowledge uh, what you and I have. It must be in your heart. It must be in your soul. It means you must be meditating on it. My friends, you're handling the words of heaven when you're handling the word of God. When you're hearing the word, word of God, you're hearing the words of heaven. That's what you're experiencing. 
What a wonder it is. My friends, there is a lost world that don't have these things, the privileges that you and I have. And then we can hide the word of God. The psalmist says, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So that is it. We can hear the, the heavenly word. We can believe the heavenly word. We can receive the heavenly word. And we can apply it. And it must be translated into daily living as well. But you have the warning of a scripture about this. In, in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the apostle says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. It was the same word. It was heavenly word. It was inspired word. But it didn't profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It must be mixed with faith. What you are hearing now even. And then it, there must be the doing of it. James, of course, tells us, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So are you allowing the word of God to govern your lives? <clears throat> uh, by what do you live? Is it by the word of God? And then secondly, keep God's word always before you. Again, you have that in, <clears throat> in that passage that we read, that in that Verse 18 again, and bind them for a sign upon your hand uh, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And of course, the Orthodox Jews still do this. It's a reference to the Jewish custom of uh, the wearing of the phylacteries or the little boxes that uh, contain portions of the scriptures, which were worn on the arm and on the front uh, frontlets, the, the front of the head. And so we see that our eyes our hands are to be governed by the word. And what we see, what we do are to be in line with God's truth. We have run out of time, but let me mention the other things just as an outline. In verse 18, we are, we are to teach God's word to our children and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it says in verse 19. Again, verse 19, it says that we are to speak God's word all day long. When you get up, when you go down throughout the day, when you're walking, the word of God working in your heart, because this is the word from heaven. It's not an earthly word. It's the word of God from heaven. And then fifthly, we are to display God's word in the home. And that's that's what it says in verse 20. It says, and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gate. And my friends, is your home, does it have that atmosphere, that savor of Jesus Christ and the word of God? We are not just talking about some people to, to put a sign, to put a text of a scripture on your wall. No, no, we are talking about the, the word of God governing the home, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of this world being in your home, being in your life. Being, being radiating out of your soul, out of your life, my friends. Now, in relation to prayer, it, it, it fetches the strength and the wisdom we need to put into practice the Lord's word. You need help. You need wisdom. You need to know how to apply the word of God. Well, it is prayer that fetches that for you. It fetches the Holy Spirit's aid so that we may have days of heaven upon earth. Don't you want that? Uh, but in itself, as we are in prayer, my friends, we are entering into, uh, uh, we are entering in um, for just a little while 
into the presence of God by in prayer by faith. There is a short time that in your prayer time, you're entering into the presence of God. You're, you're piercing through time and space right now, and you are going into eternity, into that heavenly realm. And But let me warn you now, as we go into time of prayer, the devil, when he can't hinder this duty of prayer, when this, he can't hinder this privilege of, of prayer from, from us praying, he will hinder you in the duty of prayer. In the very thing that you do, he, he will hinder you. And in many other things that you do, he seeks to hinder you. When we come before God in prayer, he's there to d- resist you. you. Like when I was a child and my brother was writing maybe a letter to his friend. And I would be standing at his right hand and I would just knock his hand, knock his elbow. So he would go out of line and he, he couldn't write evenly. I was a wicked boy. In those days, so is the devil, um, but but the Lord knows this. So you may come with your prayers, and you might stutter, you might not know how to finish the sentence, you may have all kinds of things, and Satan might hinder you. Satan might uh, distract you. Your own heart, sinful heart, might distract you. You might your mind might might go a thousand different places. But my friends, carry on in prayer. Don't give up because your Father in heaven still loves to read those uneven words that you are writing. He still loves to read that. He still loves to answer that. Uh, And he doesn't care how um, formal your words are. And let me tell you, Satan doesn't care how formal your words are either. Satan doesn't care how tidy your your prayers are. He he would want you to be uh, concerned about its formality, how tidy it is, how wonderful it is, uh, and the and the flowery language that we might use, as long as it is without faith, Satan doesn't care. As long as you don't expect God to answer it, Satan doesn't care. As long as it is not prayed earnestly and fervently, Satan doesn't care. He will let you carry on praying long prayers or short prayers for that matter. My friends, the days of heaven on earth is not to be man-centered. As we come to pray, is don't think merely about a man-centered thing. We want the blessing. We want this and bless this Lord and bless that. The, the, the point of days of heaven upon earth and the point of praying for revival is to have Christ. That's what we want. We want to commune with him. He is the king of heaven. The scripture says he's the, the Lord from heaven. That's what we want. The experience of heaven is the experience of being being with Christ. We are going, as it were, up to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what heaven is at the top of Mount of Transfiguration. And we are transported there in the season of prayer. Is the Lord going to find us in this place of prayer now, earnestly joining together in prayer with our brothers and sisters? Our our prayers and our life must go hand in hand. That was the point that uh, Deuteronomy 11 was making. The Lord was saying, your life must be a consistent life. Follow me and I will bless you. Uh, I read something earlier in the week that this man said, if God saw that his people really cared about praying so that they were in attendance at the prayer meetings and were fervent about praying, would he not be moved? 
would he not be moved? So let us together, as we are in prayer, we are closing ranks with our Savior in prayer and be more earnest than ever before. Let us be like an importunate um, man or woman who is going to that uh, person that they love and say, will you not have me? Will you not have me as your wife, as your husband? I will not go until you say yes. And we are going to the Lord. And as the Puritans said, go to God, but don't come back without him. Go to God, but don't come back without him. So let us do that, friends. May God bless these few thoughts to us. Amen.